NPR. This is the Indicator for Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And we got the gang all here today. We've got Waylon Wong and Darian Woods also with us. Hello. All three of us. Love it. And when our powers combine. When our powers combine, you will get some entertaining economic explainers. Yeah, we're the Power Rangers of economics. But then there's also Captain Planet. Are we talking Captain Planet or the Power Rangers? I would argue we've got an edge over both the Power Rangers and the Captain Planet crew because we help people understand economics. So you all wrote in with questions and we picked three of them to answer on today's episode. So we're going to look at the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, why U.S. homeowners have such a good deal here. We're also going to investigate upgrade auctions, you know, the ones you get when you travel. We're also going to look at a different measure of inflation than the one we normally look at, PCE inflation. That's all coming up after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash gradprograms. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at etrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. Etrade is a business of Morgan Stanley. Okay, listener questions episode. First one up. Hi, my name is Suresh Beru. I am from Chicago. How is the U.S. able to offer fixed rate mortgages for 30 years, but not other countries? What am I missing? Well, hello, and thank you, Suresh, for this question. Darian, you got this one. Tell us what you found. I love this question because it was a fantastic excuse for me to look into what I was already very curious about. 30-year fixed-rate mortgages are the most popular home mortgage in the U.S. by far. In fact, about 94% of home buyers chose the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage in the first half of 2022. And the thing that's really amazing about these mortgages for homeowners is that the interest rate doesn't go up. And if interest rates out there in the world go down, you can refinance. So basically, you cannot lose on the interest rates. And maybe for American listeners, this sounds like pretty ordinary, but coming from another country, this is incredible. And I think a lot of listeners internationally might be having their minds blown right now. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, I haven't tried to, like, look at mortgages in other countries. So, like, what what do you mean they would have their minds blown? So, in other countries, you'll see more variable or adjustable rate mortgages, you know, these loans that go up and down with the market rate. But they have what they call fixed rate mortgages, too. But those are fixed for, like, two or three or maybe even five years. So five-year fixed rates are pretty popular in Canada, for example. 
And because the mortgage is still often paid back over 20 or 30 years, the homeowner then has to go back to the banks and go with whatever the interest rate is out there in the market after the five years is up. And you're out of luck if interest rates have risen dramatically in the meantime. No, but I thought we were in this zero interest rate era forever. So not a problem. (laughs) Yeah, it's not as if central banks around the world have been dramatically hiking interest rates or anything. So why are U.S. mortgage holders able to get this super great deal that shields them from rising interest rates for 30 years? So let's think about who's on the other side of these mortgages, which is the lenders, the banks. If you're a bank, offering a 30-year fixed rate loan can come with a lot of risk. So when interest rates rise, a bank will have to pay higher rates on their deposits, but that 30-year fixed rate mortgage is stuck at that lower rate of interest. So rising interest rates would be really bad for a bank in this scenario. Why would a bank ever want to make this type of loan? We've got two characters entering stage, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. I feel like it's like the U.S.'s most famous vaudeville act. Those two are always getting into things. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so they're both these government-sponsored enterprises, which means they're established by federal statute, but they're shareholder-owned companies, so they're kind of in the middle. And what they do is buy up mortgages from banks. Fannie and Freddie might hold on to them, or they might sell them on to other investors. They also guarantee those underlying mortgages. And, and this whole system is set up so that these banks can move these 30-year mortgages off their books. Exactly. And it allows the banks to raise money for more lending. Without Fannie or Freddie, it would be probably too risky for banks to make those loans. And if they did, it probably wouldn't be very affordable. And so whether it's Fannie or Freddie or subsidized mortgages for veterans or the mortgage interest deduction... The level of government intervention in the U.S. housing market is comparatively high. So for it to take off in other countries, it involved a huge policy shift by governments to essentially subsidize homeowners. Thank you, Darian. From housing to auctions, our next question comes from a listener who recently booked a trip on Amtrak. Hi, my name is Tess Janish from New York City. After Tess booked this trip, Amtrak sent an email saying, hey, you can actually bid to upgrade your trip to business class or a private room. And that bid will go up against the bid of other customers, which you don't get to see, but the winning bid will get the upgrade. So here's the question. So is there a term for this kind of bid to upgrade thing? Does it exist anywhere else in the economy or is it just Amtrak? All right, so this was my question, and let's start with the first part. Yes, there is a term to describe this. It could be characterized as a first-price sealed bid auction. I love the technical taxonomy. Yeah, it's kind of a fun term, right? So let's look at each of these parts. The bidder does not know their opponent's bids. That's the sealed part. And then the first-price part means that the winner pays what they bid. They pay the highest amount. What about the second part of Tess's question? I feel like you see this auction in a lot of places. Yes, you can see it happening in real estate and online advertising. But what I think Tess is asking about in particular is this bid to upgrade auction. And this kind of auction you really saw adopted in the airline industry more than 10 years ago. Now you can find it throughout the travel industry, like with cruises, hotels, and of course, trains. And the logic for it is that, you know, why would an airline let a first class seat go empty? Or why would they give it away as a complimentary upgrade when they could 
could use it to generate some additional revenue. You know, they get to fill that premium seat. And then by moving someone up to first class, they get to open up an economy seat that they can potentially more easily sell. Right. And that customer gets business class for a fraction of the cost, usually. Exactly. All right. Adrian, you have our last question. Yeah, it's from Kasat Ng in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. What's the difference between the personal consumption expenditures index and the consumer price index? And which index is a better measure of inflation in the United States? So that is a great question. What is the difference between the consumer price index, which we talk about every month on the show, and it's sort of a lesser known cousin, the personal consumption expenditures index. So the main difference has to do with what goes into them. So the CPI is based on a survey of what consumers actually are buying, while the PCE is based on surveys of what businesses are selling. Another way to think about that would be that the CPI measures what households' out-of-pocket expenses are, while the PCE measures that plus the expenditures that are paid on behalf of consumers. So that's like a little abstract, but one concrete example would be to think about medical care. Right. So let's say for a doctor's visit, it costs a certain amount, and then your company's health insurance covers part of that, and then you also have out-of-pocket costs. Right. So in this way, there's just more going into the PCE. Uh, And that is why Fed policymakers, it is their preferred measure, because it just kind of gives you a a richer picture of what's going on price-wise in the economy. And, And this is worth mentioning, is that the PCE captures changes in consumer spending faster than the CPI, which is to say it's a better reflection of what people are buying at any given moment than the CPI is. Okay, so put this all together, what is better, the PCE or CPI? I would say that it depends. But if you are wondering why it is that like folks like us in the media tend to focus on the CPI, is that it tends to come out a couple of weeks before the PCE. So it uh, kind of steals the thunder of the PCE. Oh, I'm stealing the thunder. These numbers are different, but they move in the same direction. So, you know, by the time the PCE comes out, it's not like, oh my gosh, like complete surprise. Well, thanks for that, Adrian. And thanks to our listeners for another Indicator Questions. Keep them coming. If you've got an economic question you want us to tackle, send us an email. Our address is indicator at npr.org. This show is produced by Viet Le and Julia Ritchie with engineering by Catherine Silva. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Cake and Cannon edits the show. And the indicators of production of NPR. Support for NPR comes from ADP. Say you're in HR and a solar flare adds an extra hour to each day. How would this impact business? ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to help your business take on the next anything. ADP. Always designing for people. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. Humans are kind of overrated. Over on Shortwave, a science podcast, we're only kind of kidding. We're bringing you the wondrous world of animal science to your daily life. From queer animal love stories to songbird memories, we're showing you how critter knowledge informs human science. Listen now to Shortwave, a podcast from NPR.